Kia ora CV. Today I'm continuing on from the second part of the scripture in Limitations 3.40, which says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. Now humor me for a bit. I want you to think of a living room in a house. Perhaps it's your own living room. And everything inside that room represents something in your life that you invest your time, energy, and money into. A couch might represent the money you spend on eating out each week. A TV might represent the amount of time you spend on social media. An ornament might represent the time spent worrying about paying the bills. Here's the thing, the greater the amount of resource, the time, the energy or money spent on something, the larger the item in the room is. What does your living room look like? Is it a mess full of clutter because maybe your life is hectic, you find it hard to say no, there isn't enough time, energy and money and it's all spread too thin. Or maybe it's an ordered and well laid out room with room to move. You're aware of where you spend your resources. It's measured, ordered and under control. What do the larger or feature items represent in your room? Does the feature wall that catches your eye as soon as you walk in represent something that you're proud of or something you'd rather hide? Are you proud of all the items in your room? Or is there maybe something in there that's been passed down through the family that you just wish you could get rid of but struggle to? And finally, where is God in your room? Is he represented at all? Is he represented by something that's significant? Or maybe not so much? Now the purpose of this is not to stir up any shame or guilt but to get us thinking about the things we spend our resources on, the priorities in our lives. Are we aware of our priorities? Are we aware of how much of our time, energy and money we give to each? Lamentations 3.40 says, let's take a good look at the way we're living. In Hebrew, those two words, the way, is direct which is a well-known metaphor from wisdom literature to represent life's journey. According to the book of Proverbs, there are two ways, the godly wise straight path and the ungodly foolish crooked path. The first way it teaches leads to life and flourishing and the second way it leads to death. Living a foolish life and becoming a fool like Proverbs mentions frequently isn't like becoming the characters from Dumb and Dumber. A fool in the Bible is not the gullible but lovable person where the lights are on but no one's home that you and I may visualise when we think of a fool. Rather, the Bible speaks of a moral category of fool, someone who lives their life lacking quality of character. Becoming a fool isn't like we wake up in the morning deciding, I think, I think I'll become a fool today. Instead, the progression tends to be slow and perhaps even invisible at first. According to the theologian, Trumper Longman III, which is an awesome name, becoming a fool is observed in four stages in the Bible. The first one, this is where it's an occasional act of foolish actions. 
It may be the anger outbursts. It may be the lack of self-control with buying something we, shouldn't have, we should have left. That we identify and then we correct. It is all of us who can think of something we have done and regret and cringe when we think of it, but then we correct or change. The second stage are acts of foolish behaviour which then becomes more habitual and when we start to stop listening to voices we should trust. When we intentionally repeat foolish actions and then we have begun to enjoy what they are doing. Proverbs 10.23 says, doing wrong is like a sport to a fool. Where once the foolish behaviour sparked guilt and repentance, changing your thinking and behaviour, the action sparks now fun and excitement. Stage three is what Longman named the hardening. A hearts and attitudes of fools grow harder and harder because they believe they know everything and have no need for counsel. And because they have taken the easy path for so long, a change of direction to trek up the difficult path of wisdom is most unlikely. And stage four is when their own actions tear their lives apart. Fools rant and rave at everyone who they believe has failed them, including God. And this is why, this is why examining our lives honestly and regularly is so important. What are we prioritizing? What are the desires of our heart? Who are we becoming? Unfortunately, it's all too easy to go about our lives without taking the time to pause and reflect on our priorities and ask who we are becoming. Being absolutely honest with our lives is crucial before reordering our lives. And sometimes, oftentimes, we're blind to it. Here's an example for us. Have a think about how much time you spent on your phone this week. Now pause this talk or stop reading and go have a look in your phone settings to see if you're anywhere near what you thought you would be. Or estimate how much money you have spent on food or shopping last week and go have a look at your bank account and see how close you are. Why is this important? As Annie Dillard states, how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. Every decision and every response we make is based on our priorities, our beliefs and our desires and what we want. Each decision and response has an outcome, whether this be good or bad, desirable or undesirable, expected or unexpected. These outcomes then become a permanent part of our story, our life, which not only affects ourselves, but especially those closest to us. And without trying to exaggerate, it can have a generational impact. For example, I am where I am today because of the beliefs and decisions that my grandparents made. Some of these grandparents I hardly knew, but their desires, their beliefs and decisions, good and bad, were handed down in various ways like a domino effect or, or a chain reaction through to my parents and then to me. What we prioritise and place in our lives is creating a trajectory, a path to who we are becoming. Are we aware of our trajectory and where it is taking us? We have discussed the path of the fool, 
but how do we walk down the straight godly path? Scripture promises us that the way of God gives us rest for our souls, peace and flourishing. Jesus gives us insight into the way when someone asked him about the commandments in the book of Matthew. And the reason for the commandments to God's people in the Bible and for us is not to gain our salvation or to earn our love from God. When God gave the Ten Commandments, they were already free and set apart for God. The commandments are a framework for our lives to flourish by learning and imitating more about who God is. And in turn, we learn more about our true selves. The person asked Jesus, which commandment out of all the 613 laws in the Torah is the most important? Which is the one we are to follow, which will give us life and is the godly way? And he responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. The greatest priority as people who claim to love God is to worship and love God with every part of us. Saint Augustine, a theologian from the early centuries, is known for this statement, love God and do whatever you please. Now the end of that quote that not everyone knows or quotes is this, for the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. In other words, He's not saying, love God and then go wild and do whatever you want with your life. He's paraphrasing scripture from 1 John 4, saying that if we place loving God first in our life and we train ourselves, disciplining ourselves to love God, then all of our other desires and longings in our life find their rightful place. Now today, I don't have a three-point message to get across. Today, I have one question for us to consider. Is God and your relationship with Him in the rightful place in your life? Is God a feature wall or a significant piece of furniture in your living room? Or is He an old ornament on your shelf that maybe once held a point of significance? Placing God as a priority in our life needs to be an intentional decision which is lived out in a, in a lifelong process that happens day to day, month to month, year to year. It won't come naturally to us. And at times we may feel that we are failing more than we're succeeding. However, we are called to faithfully keep making small but steady steps towards the way to love God with everything we have, which brings us flourishing, rest and peace. Dallas Willard reminds us that the disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in his or her life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through. If you are unsure how to reorder your life under God, may I suggest one place to start? Create a space, a margin in your life to be with God, not doing anything, just being. Our lives are just like our room. It has limits, 
The room has, has walls, has roofs. We are restricted by the time we have in our day and the energy we have available. Maybe some of you just need to hear that today. We are not limitless. Yes, even you high capacity people have limits. We may need to get rid of something in our lives in order to replace that with time with God. If you're new to this, start small. Start with a few minutes every day. Last week, Dan encouraged us to try a one-week set-time prayer practice. Did you manage to do it? A set-time practice isn't about earning God's favour. It's about us living with time set apart. Like with any relationship, we want to grow and we want to nurture. We need to set apart time for it. The same is true with our relationship with God. We need set apart time in our everyday lives, prioritise to be with God. And in a society that overvalues progress, development, measured achievements, spending time with God may initially, initially feel like wasted time. However, being with God is never wasted. In the silence and time with Him, He teaches us how to slow down, how to properly rest and find peace. He transforms us. My prayer for us today is in Psalms. Maybe you might like to make this your prayer this week too. Psalms 25, 4-5 says, Lead me and teach me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Out of the name.